Well, guys, welcome to week one of our Christmas series, man. I got a text last night. I was so excited. My uh, longtime friend for years, uh, this is a guy when I talked about, I had a friend that when we were together, uh, we did stuff that we normally wouldn't do. And that God kind of separated us for a while so we could get our stuff together. This was him, uh, man. And he said, hey, what time service start? I said, he said, man, we're coming. I was like, man, it's on. And, and this guy, man, we've sung and worshiped teams together, bands together. Um, he was part, what was the band you were part of? What was it called? I'm trying to, J, no, JT's Music Box. Yes, Big Tim Revival, that, yeah, and um, Big Tim Revival, yeah. yeah, but man, we had a good time, this guy's got an incredible voice, and I need to get him back up here, man, where he can, uh, maybe we can revisit some old songs, I was asking Denise, I said, what was that song Tim sung all the time, he said, oh yeah, he is fairer than the lilies, of, man, uh, Guys, it's so good to see you and your whole family here. Guys, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, a uh, couple things before we get going. Tonight is our MVV dinner. Uh, it's our most valuable volunteers dinners. If you did not get an invite to this dinner, it's because you don't volunteer. You want to invite volunteers? Step up. No, uh, seriously, if you do volunteer and didn't get an invite, it's... My wife's fault. I, no, no, I don't know. Uh, just let us know because we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. Wednesday night connection. Um, Casey was sick this last Wednesday, so Chris Lund filled in and did an incredible job. Um, Casey, will you be back Wednesday? Uh, Mike Poole, man. Awesome. Man, he did a great job in there. Awesome. Uh, also, this Saturday is our, Christmas, our women's Christmas outing, right? Uh, so th- is there a sign-up in the lobby for that? So sign up for that. So, well, welcome. When, when I went over the series title for our Christmas series, uh, a lot of our staff said, are you sure about Ho Ho Hope? Because you know our people. And I said, listen, hope. Because here I was watching uh, Friday morning, I think it was, uh, one of the new shows, and we've all been hearing about the scarcity of gifts. If you're going to get this gift, you got to get out there and get it. And so they were doing what they call the scarcity test, depending on the gift, how hard it was going to be to get. I can tell you the hardest gift to get right now for people to get, hope. Hope. I mean, after the couple past couple of years we've had, especially, I, I, I am, listen, I, and this is not a political statement. This is Kelly. I'm sick of hearing about it. I, I'm done. I, I'm done hearing about it. Either I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and I'm going to live my life according to that, or I'm not. And, and so, uh, maybe I made somebody mad. I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm fine with that if I did. Um, let me ask you, um, what is the least favorite season of the year? Anybody, your least favorite is spring. Not spring, really? Wow. Chaz, not spring. What, what about summer? What about your least favorite season is fall? Nobody. Okay, what about your least favorite season is winter? Some of y'all, you don't, you don't know what your season is. 
And maybe you love all. I think some of you, I'm not sure what you mean by season. Um, fall, winter, but most people, it's winter. And it reminds, for Sam, Sam Elliott, her least favorite season is winter. Even in summer, she thinks it's winter. Uh, her, between her and Barb Sally, you could walk in their office or room at any given day and feel like you've walked into hell. It is that hot. Uh, in, in those rooms. Um, but it reminded me uh, of this. Uh, it was autumn. Autumn uh, was coming to an end. And uh, this new guy, uh, Indian, he had been made chief. And he had not been trained in the old ways of how to tell what weather was going to be like. And, and so his tribe came to him and said, Chief said, what, are, what is winter going to be like? Are we going to have a bad winter? So he just wanted to be on the safe side. He said, yeah, we're going to have a cold winter. And uh, so they he start gathering wood. So they started gathering wood. A couple of weeks went by, and he thought, you know what? I better play it safe. So he gets on the phone. He calls the National Weather uh, Center and says, hey, what kind of winter? Is it going to be a cold winter? And, and the guy on the phone says, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a, it looks like it's shaping up to be a cold winter. So he goes back to his, there at the reservation, says, guys, listen, store up wood. Start gathering even more wood. Couple weeks goes by. He calls. He calls the National Weather Center again. He said, "Is it going to be a cold winter?" He says, "I'm telling you, by the what we're seeing, it's shaping up. It's going to be a very cold winter." He goes back to his, his to, to the reservation. Says, "Guys, listen. Round up more wood. Start gathering wood. It's going to be a very cold winter." So he got. He couple weeks go by. He goes back. Calls back. Says, "Are you sure? Are you absolutely sure it's going?" He says, "Sir." Listen, from what the signs we're seeing, this is going to be the coldest winter on record. And, and he says, how, so the chief says, well, how can you be sure about that? He says, because the, the Indians are gathering up wood like it's going out of style. Come on. Everybody's looking for somebody else to find it, to gate. Some of y'all will get that on the way home. Um, but for the most part, a lot of people don't like winter. Uh, how many people, you moved here from the north, and this is a new area. You, you moved up here from the north. You're used to a good cold winter. Yeah, we got, we've, we've got a few. You, if you've not been here in the south for a winter or southeast Tennessee for a winter, you, you're going to find, find this out. We southerners lose our minds in the winter. Now, now uh, uh, Tim here is a Pittsburgh boy. Um, so he's used to some cold winters. Yeah, listen, that, that just shows me God saves everybody. Uh, that's all it does. <laughs> but here in the South, we just get a hint of snow. If someone posts on Instagram a snowflake falling, we lose our minds. School is out for a week. Piggly Wiggly, Walmart, IGA gets raided, and there are no milk. There's no milk. There's no bread on the shelves. We lose our mind, and those that moved up here from the north are going, what in the world is going on? Because we can have three foot of snow outside, the snow's still falling, and life just goes on as usual. That's one, but if you're up here from the north, let me tell you about a Different breed of Southerners. They pray it snows. They pray the roads freeze over. 
Because to them, it's thin like, it's like Mad Max on ice. They, the, the roads become an amusement park. You look around. Someone's got a four-wheeler with a, the hood of a car. Who knows where they got it? But they're pulling them through the streets. I mean, it's like they, they hope they run into somebody that has gone into the ditch. So they can use those chains they've been waiting to use. And they can pull that person out and say, I've got a four-wheel drive. I'm telling you, we lose it. Now, you, anybody want to guess what breed of Southerner I am? Because I grew up, let me, let me tell you this, this is a true story. Uh, Jimbo's not here, but mom and dad, when uh, they were uh, early on in the pastoral up here, uh, they, they also did the youth, and they took all the youth to a concert down in Chattanooga. And they were calling for snow, but come on, how many know? When they call for snow, it's probably not going to snow. Well, sure enough, they got it right. And, and by the time we got home from the concert, snow was all over the ground. So the kids that mom and dad had loaded up, all the teenagers stayed in our house down in Graysville. Well, Jimbo, my good friend Jimbo, who I went to school with, he was with us. His dad had an old, 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 um, uh, what, what's it called? A station wagon. Old station wagon. And, and so about two in the morning, we hatch a plan. I go over and borrow my neighbor's skis, take the fins off those water skis. We borrow his rope out of his boat, and then in that station wagon, we ski all over the streets of Graysville. <laughs> Amusement park. Another time uh, when I was up here, actually, as one of the youth leaders of this church, uh, we were going up to Winterfest. Anybody remember Winterfest? And, and so, well, again, man, we started getting snow up there in Gatlinburg. Well, when kids that usually don't see snow see snow, guess what happens, man? They start, we started a, a huge snowball fight in the, in, the, in the parking lot of this hotel. I mean, snowballs are flying everywhere. It doesn't matter if you're part of our youth group. We're throwing stuff at you. And so the manager of the hotel come out to me and says, Sir, I need to see your youth leaders. I said, ma'am, I, I am the youth leader. <laughs> I love cold weather. I do. My wife will tell you that. Uh, I love waking up in the morning, walking out and breathing in the cold air. It just wakes me up. But the truth is, man, a lot of people do not like winter. Kelly, why do you like? See, see, here's one of the reasons I love cold weather. I like cold weather better than I do extremely hot weather. There is only, I can put on more clothes to keep warm. There is only so many clothes I can take off. And then it's a crime. <laughs> to everyone. But, <laughs> preach it. Man, you picked the best time to say amen. Um, but the thing is, man, here's the thing, whether you like winter or not, Winter's coming. 
My first title for this message when I, when I first drafted it was Survival Guy for Winter. And then I came across this meme, Winter is Coming. And most people will recognize, or a lot of people will recognize that from a popular series. But I looked up the definition of what they says. And I went to the trusted source of the Urban Dictionary to get my, and I love their definitions. Winter is coming, a phrase used to warn that hard times are coming, usually after a period when it seems as though everything is going well. It means that one needs to remain vigilant as the time of prosperity can and will end. In other words, it says, it's a reminder that however bountiful and prosperous the summer may be, winter is always waiting in the shadows and will eventually show up. And my favorite definition the meaning behind these words is one of warning and constant vigilance. One of warning and constant vigilance. Warning, hey, winter's coming. Be vigilant. Don't let it catch you off guard. Prepare. I think a lot of us, we, we, we don't like winter now because we were never taught how to prepare for winter. I mean, that's why up north it doesn't bother them because they grew up learning how to deal with winter. They learning, but here our, our winters can be, can be mild. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but everyone's winter is different. You understand that, right? And when I say winter, you realize I'm not talking about a season uh, in, in our land. I'm talking about a season of the soul, a cold season. See, when I, when I look around this room, we've got a lot of different seasons in here. Your personal winter may be a southeast Tennessee winter where it may be kind of cold two or three months. We may or may not get a little bit of snow. We may or may not. Uh, you may or may not have to use your four-wheel drive. That may be the winter. Others, your winter may be a, a North Dakota, Fargo, South Dakota winter where six months out of the year it is below freezing and you're living your life in four-wheel drive, chains on, trying to stay focused on where you're going. But here's the thing, no matter what your winter looks like, never discount somebody else's winter just because it doesn't look like yours. I look around this room, I see both types. I see those that have cancer in their body and they're fighting it and have been fighting it. I see others, their winter is, they're, they're without a job and they have been for a while and they're trying to figure out how they're going to give their kids Christmas this year. I see people that have been in school working and they're just tired and wondering, worn out and wondering if all this school is even worth it all. I see marriages that on the outside look great and healthy, but the truth is they're on their last leg. I look around the room, I see some that their winter is they've lost someone this year. That's the winter season of their soul. I see those that have been dealing with a sickness for way, way too long. And they're tired of fighting it. I also look around the room and I see people that have had a pretty good year. Health is good. They have a great job. Financially, they're stable. But they have no real joy or peace. Everybody's winter is different. Here's what you need to grasp hold of. And here's what you need. Whatever your season may look like, if you're taking notes, know this. And you may have to help me. You're, you may not have chosen this season of your life, but you can't choose your response to it. 
Are you hearing me? You may not have no control how cold this season of your life is, how long it's going to last, uh, the frigid temperatures it may get, but you can choose how you respond to it. Let's be honest, though. Sometimes the winter seasons we're in, let's be honest, they're a direct result of our choices and decisions. Come on. Sometimes the winter we're in is a direct result of our actions, but there are times when there are no answers for the winter we're in. As a pastor, I'm not going to get up here and stand, stand up here and pretend, hey, oh, this is why God's allowing you to go through this season. This is why you're in this season. Because some, there are no answers sometimes. Are you hearing me? There, there are some winters that I've been through that I've watched others go through that honestly I will never understand. I will never have an answer. And you know another truth? Even if God come down and told me the why of it, still wouldn't do away with the hurt or frustration that I felt. I mean, I'll never understand the winter that Denise and I went through within a, when, within a couple of months. We lost both of our dads to cancer. I'll never understand the winter we went through when we lost a son. I'll never understand the winter this entire church went through when for years we prayed for Melody Hall and this past year she passed away. I don't understand it. But the thing is, again, even if God came down and said, here's why it happened, it would not change the pain, it would not change the hurt, and it would not change the frustration. Those are winter seasons of my life I did not get to choose, but what I do get to choose is how I respond to it when it hits. I believe this. Every winter season we go through, God's trying to do something through it. He's trying to do something through it. So if you will, turn with me to John chapter 15. Now I'll go ahead and tell you, we're not going to be in your typical Christmas uh, Bible passage right now. We may get to that in the next couple of weeks, but today's not. Uh, uh, but I believe this is something that someone here needs to hear, especially as this season starts. I believe this passage has some valuable information for all of us. Why? Because winter is coming. John 15, starting with verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, separated from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you hear bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this day. And I thank you, Lord, for your presence that we've already felt in this room. You are good. You are good, Father. You are faithful even when we are faithless. And God, I know there are many people in here that they are in a winter season of their life. And today's message is going to be right on target for them. 
I pray, God, you would just, that they would let down their guard. You would melt any cold heart, God, to receive what you have to say today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Um, here's a reality. There are people in this room right now, and watch it online. You're in a harsh winter season right now. You're smack dab in the middle of it. Others, uh, fall has ended, and your winter is just starting. Others, you're enjoying a break from the winter season. Life is good. Things are great. Relationships are good. Kids are good. All is well. But if we're being honest, you know you will encounter another winter season eventually in your life. But here's my thing. If you don't hear nothing else, winter is coming. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. There are things that are happening in you during this winter season that God is trying to do if you will allow him to do. Don't, as me and Dee were talking this morning, I said, he said, yeah, a lot of people hibernate. Now's not the time to hibernate. A lot of people, man, I'm just storing up. I'm storing up. I'm just going to wait this winter season out. No, man, God is trying to do something in you. I want to give you three things that when you're in the middle of your winter, God may be trying to do these things in you. Three things. The first one is this. Prepare you for something. God may be trying to prepare you for something through your winter season. When we go through that, a difficult, difficult season, what is the first question we usually ask? Why? Why am I dealing with this? Why am I going to this? And we've got to learn, learn to start asking, not why, but what? Okay, God, I don't like this. But let me ask you, what are you trying to do in me? What, what are you trying to prepare in my life? Because you will wear yourself out physically, mentally, uh, mentally, mentally, emotionally by saying, why? Why, God? Why, God? You will. You'll wear yourself out. Look at verse 1 of John 15 again. I am the true vine, and my Father is what? What's Jesus saying here? He said, hey, hey, hey. My Father knows how to grow stuff. My father knows what it takes for, for the seed to produce something. He's the master gardener. He knows the process it takes. And that's important for us to understand. We need to understand that when we're going through this, we are in good hands. That's the master gardener, the gardener. He knows what he's doing. And if we will understand that, it makes it easier for us to submit to him. And say, God, you know, I don't like this, but... Whatever you're doing, do it. I want you to grow it in me. But Kelly, it's cold. It's winter. I hate winter. I just want it to be over. I know you do. But maybe we need to quit focusing on all of that and begin to focus on the gardener, the father, and what he's doing in us. I love the way poet Percy Shelley says. He says this, Oh, wind, if winter comes, can spring be far behind? Kelly, what, what, what does that mean? It, it's saying this, hey, if it's winter in your life, here's something good for you. Spring's coming. Spring's coming. It's not always going to be winter. Spring is coming. And what we've got to do is learn to trust the creator of the process, trust the creator of the seasons that, hey, right now I'm in this, but spring is coming. 
Hold on. Anybody remember the movie uh, Click, Adam Sandler? Uh, man, you know, he, if he, would, he would fast forward his life through situ- times he didn't really want to be at. Wouldn't that be awesome if we could fast forward through the winters of our life? The problem is you can't. You can't. We don't have that option to fast forward through the difficult seasons of our life. But the option that we do have is say, God, I don't like this season in my life, but I'm trusting you with it. So do whatever in me that needs to be done. See, here's the thing about winter, what you need to understand. Farmers and those in the agricultural world will tell you this. It's in the winter that the ground gets to rest. It's in the winter that nutrients in the soil be, are, are being rejuvenated and so that when spring does come, life also comes. Could it be that you're in a winter season right now that God is just trying to allow the ground to rest? That he's trying to allow the nutrients in you to be rejuvenated so that when spring does come, what looked dead now blooms forth with life. I mean, could it be that something beautiful is about to come out of that cold ground that looks dead and barren? What is God trying to prepare in you or prepare for you? Anybody, uh, the Rocky movies, man, I grew up on, not Creed. Those are great movies. I love them. Michael B. Jordan, man. Let me tell you a story. Everybody about, about my wife. We were down in Florida going to a movie. And then we walked on our way to the movie, to the movie theater, and there's this poster of an upcoming movie. I've not seen a trailer about this movie. I know nothing about this, neither has she. But it's Michael Jordan, and this woman's laying like this, and he's laying like this, and they're doing this upside-down kiss. And my wife says, oh, that movie looks good. I said, what looks good about that movie, babe? Have you seen a trailer? No, then what looks good about it? Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> I'll never understand when she's got this in front of her. Come on. Um, <laughs> let's go on. But Rocky, man, Rocky Four. Anybody remember that when he goes to Russia? And who does he fight? Alan Drago. I mean, this guy is the biggest, baddest dude. And he goes to Russia to fight him. But get this, while he, he cannot train like he's been training back in the States. This is a different climate here. Different altitude, different weather. So he begins to go through all these, these different training things. And you know what? It would have been easier for Rocky to say, you know what? Forget this. I'm going to go back home. It would have been easier for us to say, I, I've got everything I need. This guy wants to fight me. He can come back to the States and fight me. But the fighter in Rocky would not let him do that. So he goes into this massive training regimen. Why? Because he was preparing. Something was being prepared in him for the fight that was coming up. See, when you're going through winter and God is trying to prepare you for something or prepare something for you, Here's what you got to do. Next point, remain. Remain. Don't walk away. Don't call it quits. Don't give up. There's some of you right now, you're in the fight for your life. And, And there are people that would completely understand and say, I get it. 
I don't blame you. Walk away. I don't blame you. Just stop. No, I don't blame you. Just give up. But listen to me. If you will just remain even when you want to run, remain even when you pray and it seems like God isn't listening, remain even when it doesn't feel good or comfortable, remain even when it hurts, remain when you don't understand, remain when things look hopeless, remain when all you want to do is cry. Do you, did you notice when we read those scriptures how many times Jesus said, remain, remain, remain? Remain. Remain. There's some of you. It's winter right now. It's a fight for not just your life, but for your family, your soul, your sanity. And now is not the time to quit. Remain. Come on, I'm going to do that preaching. Look at your neighbor and say, remain. Well, that was just poor. I need you to say with attitude. Tell them, remain. Remain. Thank you. Remain because God is doing something in you. He's preparing the ground. He's restoring the nutrients in you. Well, I wouldn't have chose this, Kelly. I wouldn't have chosen this disease. I wouldn't have chosen to be starting uh, uh, staring at an empty chair this season. I wouldn't have chosen uh, my kids not able to be here. I wouldn't have chosen the things that are going on in my life or my family. But here's the thing. That may be true, but you can choose your response to those things. Remain. God's preparing something for you. There are other times in your winter season that God is doing this, trying to prune something from you. Prune something from you. He's the master gardener. He knows the process. He knows what's going to bring about the fastest growth in your life. Look, look at verse 2 of John 15. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Let's read that again. He cuts off every branch in me that doesn't bear any fruit. But while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Here's what you need to understand. You're going to get cut either way. Praise God, have a great week. You're going to get, if you don't bear fruit, you're going to get cut. If you do bear fruit, you're going to get cut. I've been through some personal winter seas in my life, some mild, some harsh, but here's what I've learned in both of those types of winter. It's better to be cut back than cut off. Are you hearing me? It's better to be cut back than cut off. In other words, if I'm going through a cold winter, I want to do it with God, not without him. Even when I don't understand what's going on, I want to not understand it with God than without him. It's better to be cut back than cut off. Why? Because when God is doing the cutting in your life, he has purpose. There's purpose behind it. So he's preparing you for something or something for you. He's pruning you thoroughly. He wants to prove something through you. Here's what I mean. God is looking for someone that he can prove in the world that their faith is deeper than any feeling, circumstance, or situation they may go through. God wants to prove something in the world. Notice I didn't say to the world because I don't believe God has anything to prove to the world. But he wants to prove things in the world. He wants to do it through us. 
Listen, hear me close and don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I don't believe for a minute that God does or causes bad things for his kids. I don't believe that for a minute. I'm a dad. I would never willingly put one of my kids in a situation that would seriously hurt them or injure them. And God is a much better father than I am. But with that being said, he will allow some things to go. There's a story in the Bible that most of you know. Some people avoid this, this book because they think it says job. But it's... <laughs> so, 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 but it's Job. <laughs> I wouldn't even let that just come out, man. That's funny. I got to write that down. If I was doing two services still, I'd be like... Next service, too. That's a good one. <laughs> but there's a story where the devil comes to God, and, and, and he's like, hey, I've been, God says, hey, what are you doing? He says, I've been looking around the earth just trying to find somebody, somebody that I can mess with. And God says, hey, have you considered my servant Job? Man, you won't find anyone better, more faithful. And Satan says, this is, you know why he's faithful? Because everything he touches is blessed. Uh, allow me to take those things away from him that he values most, and then God will see how faithful he remains to you then. And God's like, hey, take your best shot. Go at it. So the devil begins his onslaught against Job. He takes his children. He takes all his possessions. He takes Job's, uh, he covers Job's body with his sores. He takes Job's livestock, his servants. He takes everything valuable from Job except Job's wife. And Job's like, really? <laughs> Couldn't go a step further? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> here's the truth the devil knows where to hit you where it hurts here, here this is a revelation for somebody when he's trying to hurt you there will be people he removes from your life but there are also going to be people he allows to stay in your life both are punishment Pretty much the rest of the book of Job is him and his friends asking why. God, why did this happen to my kids? God, why am I suffering with all these sores on my body? Body, Why did I lose my livestock, my possessions? Why? Job, Job finally, finally comes to a place where he, he's like, I'm done asking why. And he makes this statement, Job 23, 8 through 10. But if I go to the east, you're not there. If I go to the west, I can't find you. When you're working in the north, I can't see you. When you turn to the south, I can't catch a glimpse of you. Job's saying, I'm in a winter season in my life. And I feel like God has abandoned me. I'm looking to the north, the south, east. I'm looking everywhere for God. And I cannot find him. I can't even catch a glimpse of him. Then Job says, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. And others, once the winter is over, life will bloom again. Do you know why? Don't go to that next scripture yet. Do you know why Job could approach that with that attitude? 
Look, look at the next verse, 11 and 12. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than daily bread. Do you know why Job had, could, could make it through that? Because he remained. Even when he felt like God abandoned him, he remained. He remained. He remained through the winter. He remained through the testing. He remained through his losses. He remained through his sicknesses. God knew that Job was somebody that he could prove in the world that, that there is a man that will stand with faith even when it feels like everything is against him. God wants to use you guys. He wants to use you and I to prove in the world that he, his light shines brighter in the darkness than the darkness that is running rampant in our world right now. Maybe God is wanting to prove for you to your family, to your friends, that he is God of second, third, a hundredth chances. Come on. That he is a God of unconditional love. Maybe God's wanting to use you to prove that he still delivers and sets people free. That he still heals. That because of him there is hope in this world. And you are proof of that hope. If I've got to be cut, if I've got to be pruned, if I have to go through a winter season, if life has to hurt, or if I have to be uncomfortable for a while, I want to make it worth it, guys. I don't want to waste it. John 15, 8. This is to my Father's glory. If I can get Bob or Bubba to come on up. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. There are some of you, man, here today, that's winter in your life. You're, you're in a cold season of your life right now. But hear me, if you will trust God and remain, if you will allow God to use this season to prune you, to prepare you, then God will prove through you his glory. And when that happens, what happens is when you, you begin, your friends, your family begin to see that in you. They begin to see through you what freedom looks like what peace looks like, what being a husband looks like, a mother looks like, what being a mom and dad looks like, what peace looks like, what joy looks like. They begin to see what hope looks like. Church, get this in you. We are God's plan A when it chose to reveal himself to their world. We're his plan. I read an article an author named Richard Stengel on the life of Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela served 27 years in prison basically for his anti-apartheid stance and because he was so vocal about it. I would say, he said, I would say that 27 years in prison could break a man or at the very least mess with a man. But he said this, Richard Stengel said this about Nelson Mandela in his interview with him. Nelson Mandela had many teachers in his life, 
But the greatest of them all was prison. Prison molded the man we see and know today. He learned about life and leadership from many resources. But the 27 years he spent in prison became the crucible that both hardened him and burned away all that was extraneous. Prison taught him self-control. Prison taught him discipline. Prison taught him focus. The things he considers essential to leadership, it taught him how to be a full human being. He goes on and said, how did this passionate revolutionary become a measured statesman? Well, in prison, he had to temper his response to everything. There was very little a prisoner could control. The one thing he could control was himself, his response. There was no room. He says there was no room for outbursts or self-indulgence or lack of discipline. He had no zone of prophecy. He says, when I first walked into Mandela's old cell, I gasped. It's not a human-sized space, much less a Mandela-sized space. He could not stretch out when he was lying down. It was obvious that prison had both literally and figuratively molded him. There was no room for extraneous motion or emotion. Everything, this is his words, in Mandela had to be pruned away. Everything had to be ordered. He says over and over, though, I used to ask him how prison had changed him. How was the man who came out in 1990 different from the man who entered in 1962? He said, this question annoyed Mandela. He either ignored it or went straight to a policy answer or denied the premise. Finally, one day, in expiration, he said this. What did prison do to him? He said, I came out mature. some here today or you're watching online you're going through a hard season of your life it may feel like prison it may feel like you've got no room to breathe, stretch or do anything instead of asking why maybe we start saying God what are you trying to prune what are you trying to do in me what are you trying are you trying to mature something in me I realize, man, for some, it's cold. It's winter. And for some of you, here's the reality. You don't see anything changing anytime soon. Listen to me. Here's a word. Remain. Remain. It's cold. I know. Remain. And I can barely see the road. I know. Remain. I've been dealing with this for a long time. I know. Remain. See, if God is going to do the cutting and the pruning, remain. Even though it feels lonely at times, remain. God is cutting away things from your life. He's cutting away how you see yourself. Are you hearing me? He's cutting away words that were spoken over you throughout your life. He's cutting away junk from your past that keeps seeming to raise its ugly head in your life. Listen, he's cutting away people from your life. The 
best thing I can let them go. You can't always choose a season, but you can't choose how you respond to it. Now I'm closing. We just finished this series on the Holy Spirit. Anybody remember one of the names of the Holy Spirit? You've got it on your bed at home. Comforter. A comforter. We have comforter on our bed. When it gets cold, it's really cold, you know what I do? I wrap up as tight as I can in it. I wrap as tight as I can. Are you in a winter season right now? Why don't you just do this? Wrap up as tight as you can in the comforter. Don't leave. Don't walk away. Wrap yourself in the comforter. Because if you walk away right now, if you give up right now, you're going to miss the life that spring brings. Kim Moffitt, don't walk away and give up now. You've been dealing with this crap for way too long. I don't want to miss, I don't want you to miss the life that's going to spring from it. Don't give up on your child. I'm going to tell you, my mom lived a lot of her life in a winter season with that boy right there on the second row. And she will tell you this. She was so glad she remained because she got to see him stand on the stage, give his testimony, preach a message, see him grow. Don't give up on your child. Don't give up on that parent. Don't give up on that friend. But hear me, don't give up on yourself. When Isaiah prophesied about the birth of Jesus, here's what he said. A virgin will be with child, bear a son. He will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Winter is coming, but bring up that last slide. Hope is here. Stand with me. Winter may be coming. You may be in the winter, but I'm telling you, if you'll quit focusing on that, you'll see hope is here. Hope is here. Julie Brown, downtown Julie Brown. That's actually how I remembered her name when they first came here. You've been a winter a long time, just like Kim. Now's not the time to walk away. Life is coming. Life is coming. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come on up to the front. Can I, can I be, this is, I'm going to be very honest with you, especially for a pastor who's supposed to get up here and speak about all the positives and ha- agree with every song. Can I tell you the last song they sung? Can I, to be honest, tell you it messes with me? That he's too good not to not believe? When he starts talking about all the healings, you heal because you love, you do this, because, Kelly, you're not supposed, I know. I'm just being honest because I know you feel the same way sometimes when you sing that because you've prayed prayers and not seen people healed that you wanted to. 
And you're like, Where, where's that God? I've said it. Where's that God that is too good and I believe? Where's he at in my situation? I got no answers for you. But I choose to remain. And even when I'm being honest, God, this is really ticking me off that I'm going through this right now. This is really making me mad. But I'm choosing to trust you. Trust you. There are some of you, you're in a winter season right now. And you want to give up. You want to walk away. You want to call it quits. Don't. But here's what we're going to do. I've asked the prayer team to come up here.